0: All right guys, thank you guys for coming. I'm so glad to see you guys here, I'm so glad. Any of you guys like really enjoying the weather, the cold right now, any hands? Okay, we got a few, got a few. Which of you guys, okay, I was talking to somebody, I'm not gonna name drop, but they said that it gets too cold once it drops below 40. Does anybody else agree with that? Okay, we've got a few, we've got a few, okay. I've worn shorts in negatives. I believe that, I believe, I believe you have. I, I believe you have listen, I'm a cold weather kind of guy, so it's like I'm like kind of thriving right now it's a, it's, a, it's a little chilly. Um, I think ideally like forty to fifty is like that's the spot fifty to sixty is also good too, but um, I'm kind of having fun. I'm waiting for the first like big snow it kind of had some flurries yesterday and I was like you know that doesn't count it's like it's like you know it just doesn't count so I'm waiting for a good big snow to go some sledding or snowball fights or Anything like that. Yeah, so. I know, when was the last time we had a white Christmas? Never. Never. I worked at Chick-fil-A for two years, so, and I did window like constantly. And it was so cold, and I had to buy my own coat because they wouldn't buy it for me. But this isn't Chick-fil-A slander hour. But um, okay, I have just a couple of quick announcements, and we're going to get right into our sermon series called Light and Love that we've been going on. We kind of took a little pause last week to um, do an outreach night. Who thought the outreach night was pretty good? I I liked it a lot. I thought they brought some really good stuff to share with us. So um, with that, just a couple quick announcements. First of all, tomorrow night we are having our elevator tribes, and I'm so excited to see, especially all the guys having a guys tribe. If you're not a part of that, I want to encourage you to get a part of that, because how many of you guys know that community is so important, amen? Community is so important, and that's one of our big purposes and missions here is to provide a community of like-minded people, because you can only get so close with people here, right? Like, you know, there's probably 50 to 60 total people here. So you can only get so close with people. But once you get in a tribe, once you get in a room of about 10 people or less, that's where real community happens. That's where real friendships start to happen, especially when we're centered around, you know, some good food, right guys? Some good food, but also like some scripture, some hangout. So it's a lot of fun. That's happening tomorrow. It's the first and third Thursday of every month. Also, this Saturday early in the morning, we are having our Elevate's First Harvester's Outreach Event. I'm not gonna talk all about what that is. You can go to our website to find more about that or talk to a leader. But um, it is at 6.30 to 9.30. And so if this is for those of you who have registered. Um, the registration has closed. So if you have not registered or previously talked to one of the leaders about it, um, you know, if, if you really want to go, you can talk to us and we might be able to squeeze you in. But registration has closed for that. But that is this Saturday morning Dress warm, it's gonna be a little chilly. And then finally, last announcement, next, next Thursday, what, can someone tell me what a week from tomorrow is? Tomorrow. Thanksgiving, it is also a week from tomorrow. Thanksgiving is happening a week from tomorrow, so next Wednesday we will not have Elevate, so you can eat some turkey and eat some apple pie, because pumpkin pie is overrated, yeah. I said it. Apple pie is where it's at, so especially if you get a scoop of ice cream on it. All right, I need, I need a volunteer, preferably a girl, because I had. Okay, Alyssa, would you come up? I just need you, I just need you to read this scripture for us. Oh, shoot, okay. You can either use this or you can use your own Bible, but I kind of have it up right here, so. Just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. Okay, just read that for us. Um, in First John 2, chapter two, 9, verse nine through eleven. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother and is in the darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother and is in darkness and always in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness is blinding his eyes. That's good, that's good. Let's give a round of applause, everybody. Awesome. That's going to be our key scripture for the night. So if you brought your Bibles, which I hope you did, turn to 1 John chapter 2, verse 9. As you do, I am going to pray, and we will get going. So Father God, I just thank you so much for everybody here, for every single person here. God, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you just guide me and lead me as we uh, speak this word tonight, and I just thank you that you knew every single person that was gonna be here tonight, and you knew exactly who they were, even like where they were gonna sit, God, so we just ask that you just open up our hearts, open up our minds as we receive this word and allow it to transform us to your will. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. amen. So, a couple weeks ago, we started this message series called Light and Love, a message series on First John. As we're going through chapter by chapter, my favorite book of the Bible, and it's been so good so far. Who here read First John chapter two? Just raise up your hand. Okay, we got a few of you guys, more than last time. So that's an improvement. That's an improvement. So just to give a quick recap of First John chapter one, what we, pre- what we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, we talked about haunted houses. We talked about how, you know, why are we afraid of the dark? And we looked at scripture that talked about if we say we have fellowship with God, which is to say, if we say that we believe in God, if, we, if that's what we say, we're doing all the actions, we're showing up to church, we're doing worship, we're even studying our Bible on our own. If we say we do that, but walk in darkness, but, but when we don't walk in light with him or with other believers, then we are actually fooling ourselves and walking in darkness. It's, it's really easy you know, when we have shame or, or sin or secret sin, to just cover that up and not share it with anybody else or even God. And what we're, what we're talking about is the real transformation begins to happen when we begin to bring out those things into the light in the presence of God and even other strong believers. That's where real transformation begins to happen. The key point last time was to focus on becoming someone to be rather some, than something to avoid. So what does that look like? So you know, I talked about um, a problem with lust last time, and instead of just avoiding lust, focus on becoming a person of purity. And once you fill your heart up with purity and pure thoughts and pure thinking, and this can go with anything, but once you fill your up, fill your heart up with purity, then lust can't penetrate that because you, your heart is already full of purity. And that's what the Bible tells us to do. And I went over John 1:5. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it, overpower it, appropriate it, absorb it, and is not receptive to it. So there is freedom when we walk in the light, amen. That's what we're talking about. There's freedom when we walk in the light. So our key verse, I'm gonna read it for everyone. It's in 1 John 2, verse 9, and it says this. It says, he who says he is in the light, but hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So how many of you guys are willing to admit that you have ever hated somebody you have never met? Okay, we've got a few people, okay. Okay, we're not, no, we're not doing that. But how many of you guys are willing to admit that you've ever hated someone you've never met or you don't even know their name? Or you've never even seen their face. So I hope that's not meaning anything, but I'll, I'll take it. Okay, but I can prove to you that there is a good amount of you in this room that have had at least a small amount of hatred towards someone you don't know their name, you've never met, and you don't see their face. I can prove it to you. There's at least a good portion of you guys in this room that have hated somebody like this, okay? You guys ready for it? I want you to raise your hand if you are currently driving. Okay, I guarantee you that you have at least a little bit of hatred for people you have never met, you've never seen their face, and you don't know their names. I don't know about you, but... I don't know. The hate is real because it's, like, so funny. Oftentimes, like, I don't know their face or I don't know their name or whatever. And so I'll personify the vehicle that they're driving, right? So it's, like, if there's, like, a red truck that's, like, tailing me, I'll be, like, oh, stupid red truck. Or, like, you know, like, there's a Mercedes that, like, zooms past me. I'm, like, oh, that Mercedes is, like, zooming past me. I hate that. But it's, like... I don't know. I just think it's funny that there's like certain stereotypes that go with certain cars and even colors. How many of you guys have seen that too, right? And um, for me, it's always like one of the one of the insults. I'm okay. Um, (laughs) One of the insults I tell myself towards someone else is when there is like a truck that like zooms past me. I'm like, I'll bet they don't even haul anything. They're just driving a truck for a truck's sake. They probably don't even carry anything in that truck. And it's like I don't understand. Why people, okay, I'm not going to rant about trucks. Um, If you want to know my hatred for, okay, I love trucks. Don't get me wrong, I love trucks. But don't buy a truck if you don't want to put anything in the back. It's like just buy an SUV, buy like a sports car. I don't understand. But, yeah, there's no point. But it's like, it's, to look cool. See, I can't understand that. Hey, but I'm not pretending to haul stuff. That's all I'm trying to say. It's like, I'm not trying to look like a guy that hauls stuff. And it's like, just you just be the guy or don't be the guy. It's like, if you're going to have a truck, let me put my couch in the back of your truck. That's all I'm trying to say, okay? There's no previous animosity here, but that's, that's all I'm trying to say. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know. I'm losing my place here. I can't even figure it out. But it's like, I don't know. I just think it's funny. It's like, it's funny that we all... Have those ways where it's like we can we allow like the hatred for other people in our hearts, and I know that's like a funny example, and you could argue that's not like real hatred, but it's like there are other ways you can hate as well. Like, uh, I've hated long lines, like at, at the DMV or something. It's like I don't hate the people, I just like why are we all at the DMV at the same time? I don't understand. Uh, people on the internet, come on, people on the internet, it's like especially if they're anonymous. It's like you know, it's like some weird account or like alt account or like celebrities, politicians. The list goes on. And I was listening to a podcast earlier this week, and it was talking about some of the um, innate instincts that are found that can be found in men. And um, it was a Christian podcast, and it had some really good takes on it. But it was saying that there are, there's like theorizing that there are like five instincts that are found Um, in men that are neither bad, but they're also not good. They're just there. They're just instincts that need to be put in the submission to God's glory and for others' good. And so the man speaks that um, one of these instincts for men is sarcasm. And I'm like, I've never heard something more true. Like, I can tell that in myself, that it's sarcasm. He used Cain in the Bible as an example. You guys know that um, in the Bible, uh, Cain and his brother Abel both offered sacrifices to God. And God accepted Abel's sacrifice but did not accept Cain's sacrifice. We don't fully understand why. It doesn't exactly explain why Cain's sacrifice was not accepted, um, you can, th- many th- say that is because it wasn't a genuine sacrifice. It was like out of obligation or it wasn't the first fruits, whatever that looked like. And so, out of anger, Cain ended up killing his brother Abel out of jealousy. And here's where the sar- sarcasm comes into play here God sees that Abel died, right? And so, God comes down and talks to Cain and says, Cain, where is your brother Abel? And if you guys know the story, you know that Cain replied to God and he said, am I my brother's keeper? How many of you guys know? That is a very sarcastic, disrespectful remark because of course Cain knew where Abel was because he killed him. And so it was talking about how the instincts, that that was an instinct that um, men have. And a lot of times, I believe the path to hatred or to hating other people, begin with good intentions. We begin with good intentions. Let me explain. So, like, none of us here are like waking up in the morning just ready to just hate and just rage, right? Like, a lot of times, our hatred comes from a way a way of either protecting other people, protecting ourselves, protecting our values. I remember, um, uh, I was my our son, firstborn son was born at the hospital and it was the next, the next day we were able to take him home. And so I like loaded him up in our car and made sure all the buckles were tight and like the seat, the seat, you know, car seat was clicked in all the way and all that. And it was my first time driving him since he's been born, right? Like I've driven him like when he was still in the womb and stuff, but like he was like in the car seat, buckled up. He was like his own like being now. And it was just like, and I'll tell you like one of the times I felt the most rage was at the other drivers driving on the road that day. And it wasn't that people were driving bad. I was just like glaring at the other drivers. I was like, don't cross me. This is not the time. Do not swerve in front of me. This is not the time to do it. And it's, it's because like that hatred starts from a form of wanting to protect, you know, my baby and my wife and myself, and so, That's a good instinct to have, but it crosses the line when it becomes hatred, dislike, and even unfriendliness, even people who are unfriendly towards us, you know, and so um, in my devotional on Tuesday, um, it talked about this coincidentally, I'd say coincidentally, loosely, because I believe God works everything towards a purpose, and so to share with you my devotional, I took a quick video, so let's check it out. So yesterday my morning Devo took me to the book of Matthew in chapter five, starting in verse 43, it says this. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven. My devotional explained that the word enemies used in that passage of scripture right there is translated to as those who are hostile towards you, or more accurately, those who are unfriendly towards you. Oftentimes for whatever reason, maybe this is just me, but maybe there's some of you out there that feel the same way, that it's almost easier to love those who are, who hate you, to love your enemies. But it became it can be difficult to love those who are even just unfriendly towards you, right? And I think what the scripture is trying to say here is it's trying to say that we need to love those who not only hate us, but those that are unfriendly towards us or those that don't like us very much. It's very important for us to realize the darkness that might be in our own hearts when it comes to loving our enemies and loving our neighbors and loving our brothers and sisters because how can we say that we love God when we hate our enemy how can we say we love God when we hate those who are unfriendly towards us and God is always calling us closer he's never putting shame on us or condemnation but he's always calling us to love one another as we want to be loved because he first loved us all right, I hope you guys enjoyed the little Devo time with Sean, but I wanna go back with this knowledge of a little bit under better understanding of what love and hate look like. And let's go back to our key scripture. Let's put up 1 John chapter 2 on the screen. It says, he who says he's in the light. So again, let's, let's, let's look at that. He who says he's in the light. He who says he's a Christian. He who says he follows Christ. They go to church. They read their Bible. They participate in worship even. So he who says they're doing that but you hate your brother, you hate your friend, or you hate that politician, or you hate whatever, you are in darkness. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he was going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so the devotional I was reading continued to say it's um, actually a commentary on this verse where it talks about that there is no middle ground between light and darkness. You know, there, there's in the in the spiritual realm, there's no middle ground between light and darkness. You're either in the light or you're in the dark, and that is that should be a warning light for us that there. It's not like you're kind of half in the light, half dark. You're either walking in the light or you're walking in the dark, and the same is true for love. You are either walking in love towards your brother or sister or towards your friend, or you're walking in hatred. That there's not a middle ground. You're either loving them or you're hating them. And it is essential to become people who walk in the light just as God is in the light. And so I want to bring up the main point from the last message, which is this, is focus to become someone to be instead of something to not do. And that's what this whole book of 1 John is about. It's to focus not just don't hate people, but instead become a person of love. Instead become a person that says, I'm going to choose to love people even when they are unfriendly towards me, even when they hate me, even when they're hostile towards me. I'm choosing love. I'm not just not hating because there's no middle ground. I'm choosing to love that person, and in the same way, I'm not just avoiding darkness, I'm choosing to be a person of the light. So instead of avoiding hatred, let's become people who are love. let's become lights of the world. Our mission as the church is to become a beacon for others and the light, and that beacon, that light, is a light of love. The Bible says that God is love, everybody say God is love. God is love. Bible also says that God is light. Everybody say God is light. That is right. God is light. And so, if, and so the light of the church is the love of God expressed through us. The light of the church, if we're needing to be a beacon on a hill, right? If we're the light of the church, that light looks like God's love being expressed through us. And if we are harboring hatred for other people, either people we know, maybe it's our actual brothers and sisters, maybe it's people that are far off, maybe it's people that are po- like politicians or celebrities like I talked about, if we wanna be the light that's on the hill, the, the beacon that the church is supposed to be, then we need to walk in the light. Then we, and by doing walking in the light, we are walking in God's love because God is both love and light. God doesn't have love and have light. He is love and he is light. So the light of the church is the love of God expressed through us. That is what we are supposed to be. But the question remains, why doesn't it happen like this all the time? You know, why do we not walk in the light all the time? Why does the church not walk in the light all the time? Why does whatever not walk in the light? If we aren't seeing God's light shine through us in our schools, in our homes, wherever, that may be an indicator that we're not allowing God's love to express through us. Because the reverse is true as well. If we're not seeing God's light make a difference and an impact in our area, then we may not be allowing God's love to express inside of us until it overflows out. Here's, here's my main point tonight. It's if we want to be a light and a love and if we want to be a light and a, and to love others then we need to give our devotion and our lordship to him again. What does that mean? That means like if we want to be a light to people around us, to our coworkers, to our schools, to our families, to our parents, to our brothers and sisters, to our friends, wherever that looks like, we need to allow him to express his love through us. We need to allow him to have lordship over us and to, to fully devote ourselves to him again. Because the, Jesus says that if you truly love me, you will keep my commandments. That doesn't mean we're gonna be perfect, of course not. But that just means we have, he's Lord, he is our devotion. He's who we're devote fully devoted to. And I think the big problem with us lies at the root of our salvation and our rally our rally point, where we rally behind our cause. Because you, know, you see a lot of people, like especially people this age, that you know, we seek a, like a rally point, like a cause to be behind, a mission, a place to be, and people to fight for. And you see um, stories of people doing that in a negative way, like joining gangs or, or movements or whatever that looks like, not, not movements aren't bad, but like joining gangs and all that. Because we are built to rally behind a cause, And I think a lot of times we are putting that in the wrong places, right? A lot of times we're not putting that in Jesus. And he gave us a cause to rally behind in Matthew 28. It says, Jesus went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet near and far. Go out and train everyone you meet near and far in this way of life marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all that I've commanded you. I will be with you as you do this day after day after day, right up to the end of our age. This is our cause. This is our mission. This is our rally point. You know, a lot of people call this the great commandment, right? Or the great commission. This is where we go. These are our marching orders. And I think many of us get caught up into the the, uh, the false rally points, that they're not necessarily bad things. It's just not the thing, right? It's just not Jesus. It's not the thing. And in our chapter of First John chapter 2, later down in verse 15, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The world is passing away the lust of it but he who does the will of God abides forever. It's kind of like what Jackson was saying at the end of worship there that it's like we have this like big feast that is like that we are tempted with to like just enjoy life. You know, live fast, die young, right? And not that those things are necessarily bad, it's just not God, right? It's just not our rally point. And I think the trouble comes a lot of times when we misunderstand what being a Christ follower even means. We misunderstand what being a disciple of God even looks like. I think a lot of us we can lose sight of it. That maybe we get saved one day, maybe it's at like a camp or a night just like this, and we go. Th- we we are like excited, we're hyped about it, but then you know life hits. It starts to fade and we begin to go through the motions. And the danger is some of us, we end up like the person in the scripture that says we walk in the light but actually live in darkness. And that's the danger. That's what I'm trying to tell you guys about tonight. Being a disciple, being a Christ follower is all about laying down your life to do whatever it takes to make more disciples. It's about laying down your life to be fully devoted to Jesus, to do whatever it takes that's short of sin, to be fully devoted to Jesus and to live in him and walk in the light and do whatever it says. You know, uh, I saw a quote the other day that says, uh, Christian rapper Lecrae, Anyone know Lecrae, right? Okay, Lecrae, he has this quote that he says, we're supposed to be disciple cycles, right? That we're supposed to be disciples disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples and it just goes on. We're supposed to be disciple cycles because we're not here to fill seats in a building, right? We're not here to just fill up this room and say we made it. We're here to build disciples. Like someone discipled me and I have the opportunity to disciple some of you and then you guys will have the opportunity to disciple more and then it just keeps going and going because the gospel, it sets people free. And that's Jesus' mission. He came to save the lost and set the captives free. The gospel sets people free. So the more people that can get that, the more people that can be here free on earth, but more importantly, free eternally. But the process begins here on earth. And it begins with a rally cry to be disciple disciples, Disciple cycles. And I think the problem is when many of us got saved, We might have said yes to the wrong thing when we got saved. Let me explain. Let me me explain before you jump to conclusions. But I believe that's true. I think what happens is we either said yes to the wrong thing, or maybe we said we did say yes to this life, but we didn't say, we didn't continue to say yes. And I think what happens is we get excited, we're in an environment like this, or maybe we're at Bold or at a youth camp somewhere, and you know the the music's loud and the sleep is not, there's not a lot of sleep, right? And we're in that environment and it's altar call night and it's cry night and whatever you wanna call it. And we get, and then people are saved and people are giving their life to Jesus. But I think the problem is when we're in those environments, we are not told what it looks like to follow Jesus. We're just told follow Jesus without any directions after that. And I'm not saying every environment is like that, but I'm just saying a lot of times we're told this, follow Jesus. Jesus is good and it will set you free, which is all true and great and good. But a lot of times we are saying yes to a moment and saying yes to Jesus in that moment without saying yes to Jesus in our life. Because it's, following Jesus is not one yes. That's the problem. It's a, I say yes to Jesus every morning right? It's a continual yes. We said yes to an emotion or a feeling or we were feeling good or we said yes because our friends said yes. And too often times we end up saying yes to a moment instead of a movement. We end too often times to say yes to an emotion instead of to a Lord, right? Jesus is Lord. And a Lord is somebody that's like, in charge, they're in charge over this area, they're in charge, you know, like I live in an apartment, so I have a landlord, right? They're in charge of the land that I'm living in. They're in charge of what happens in that apartment. As much as I would like to, like listen, my apartment is so small, it's like, I mean, for three people, it's pretty small. And so it's like, I really want to, like I've thought about how I would change this apartment if I owned it. Like I would tear down this wall, I would paint these these walls these colors, I would put hardwood floors in and all that, but I can't because I'm under the submission of a landlord, right? And so when the Bible says that Jesus is a Lord, a Lord is someone who is supremely in charge, and that's who Jesus is. He's also our Father, but he is a Lord. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we shouldn't say yes to an emotion or to a moment, because how many of you guys know that's gonna fade away, right? Listen, like I've said yes to Jesus multiple times throughout my life. One of those times was at a youth camp in 2015, if I said yes to Jesus in that moment, if I, if I just said yes to that emotion or that moment, how many of you guys know seven years later, I don't remember a single thing that happened that year? Right? I don't remember a single thing that happened at camp. Maybe one thing. Like, I don't remember the emotions I felt. Like, I vaguely do. Those emotions have passed away, though. I'm, seven years ago, I was a completely different person. If I had said yes to a moment or to a camp or to an emotion, that's, all, that's long gone but no, I said yes to a Lord. When you say yes to a Lord, you're in for life. And you, say, and you have to continually say yes and put your emotions in submission. Listen, if you wanna know what you said yes to when you begin to follow Jesus, I just wanna challenge you, what falls first when conflict comes? Does your pride fall, or does your devotion to Jesus fall? What falls first when there's tension Is it the bad relationship you're in or is it your obedience to Christ? And I think when when you are in those situations, you will find out pretty quick what you said yes to. It was a good emotion maybe, it was a good night, like whatever that looks like. But my challenge for you is to say yes, not to an emotion or a moment, but to a Lord that is giving you a cause and a movement and an everyday cycle of making disciples, And that's the challenge, that's the call that God has for you um, tonight, but just for your whole life. And I want to bring the band back up, and I just kind of want to tie it together with what we were talking about at the beginning of loving, loving your enemies and not hating your enemies. Because, like I said, when that conflict and that tension happens, we're in a moment where you can choose hatred, you can choose to not love somebody, you can choose to not let that spirit of love inside of you, you need to have that foundation, that solid rock of who Jesus is, before that happens and you get in those situations, right? Like, you want to have that solid foundation of who Jesus is before you walk into a relationship with somebody, with a guy or a girl. Because once you have that foundation of, I'm gonna be pure, I'm gonna be loving, I'm gonna not drop Jesus for this person, then you you have said yes to a Lord and then you will be able to have that love for that person that starts off genuinely, not just an avoidance of hate. You'll have that purity in your heart genuinely, not just the avoidance of lust, because emotions fade, moments pass into memory. Saying yes to a Lord means he is in charge. Because there's no in-between between between light and dark, there's no in-between between love and hate, but he is with us. John chapter 16 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What's really cool is how God weaves things together is because I have this in my notes long before I knew Abby was coming up on stage. I had this in my notes yesterday. And so he has given us this peace before us. He, He is with us and he has overcome the world and so what I want to do right now is like I just want everyone to just bow your heads, close your eyes we are can turn the lights down um, whatever that looks like and I just want to give everyone here a chance to respond and some of you you might have said yes to a moment you might have said yes to Jesus before but you've never said yes to him as Lord You're getting only half Jesus. The good thing about Jesus, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he is perfect. And if you're like me, I like to control things. I don't like things getting out of my comfort zone. And that's always been a struggle with me walking with Jesus because he's calling me out into my comfort zone all the time. But I can trust him because I know that he was perfect. And I know that even if it makes me uncomfortable, I know it's for the good. It's for my good and his glory. And so I don't have to worry about if he's a good Lord or if he's a bad Lord. Like my landlord, you know, sometimes they're not great. But he is a perfect Lord. He's not just a good Lord. He's a perfect Lord. And some of you here haven't, have never responded to Jesus in any way. And so I just want to leave this opportunity for you that God does guide us with our emotions, but that's not the only way. And so if you don't feel like you're ready to respond to Jesus yet, that's fine. Pray about it. Talk to God, talk to him tonight. But I do want to leave that door open for you right now that if you just want to respond to him in this environment right now and just say, yes, Jesus is Lord over my life I just want you to just boldly raise your hand right now say yes Jesus is Lord, I make him Lord maybe this is my first time, maybe this is my thousandth time I say it every day Father God I just thank you for drawing the host to you I pray that you give us that boldness, that courage to do everything that you need us to do. That we can love, choose love, choose to walk in the light. Not just say we walk in the light, but actually choose to walk in the light, God. To to make it real. I don't wanna play church. Life is too short to pretend. I'm here. going to my work. I'm going to my school. I'm following Jesus. I'm not pretending like I'm following Jesus. I'm here. I'm following Jesus. I'm a disciple maker. I'm a disciple cycle, God. God, I speak boldness over everyone here. I speak courage. I speak life change over everyone here. I speak breakthrough. And Jesus, we just declare you as Lord. We just declare that over all of us here. Jesus name let's all stand up we're going to worship one last time tonight on just right now if you've made up your mind you say you're never going back i need the loudest shout you got one two three yeah it's awesome guys let's give god a round of applause for what he did tonight awesome so good so good you guys listen once god has a hold of you and once you make jesus lord like your whole life should change right like you have boldness to do what he needs you to do like it's going to be uncomfortable yes but it's going to be so and I can test, I, I, if I had time, I'd tell you guys all the things, all the, of my uncomfortable moments I've had with God that have led to amazing good things. He has not left one undone. So I'm so excited for you guys. It's gonna be so good. But tomorrow night we have tribes. If you made your decision to follow Jesus and make him Lord, tell your tribe tomorrow night, please. You guys need the community. Community is so good for you. And we've got harvesters on Saturday. Let me pray real quick. But Father God, I just thank you for what you've done tonight. I thank you for who you are, and for the love you have for us. I just pray that this continues inside of us as we go throughout our week, go throughout our school and our holidays, and we just praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give God one more shout of praise. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, we won't see you next week. No Elevate next week, but the week after, you guys are dismissed.